You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 73 of the Comic Book Informer. We are coming to you on a wonderful Wednesday. I swear I didn't do that on purpose. April 11th, and as usual, Roger's here with me. What's up, man? Oh, no much, not much. Very interested in talking about this week's comics. Well, before we talk about this (laughs) week's comics, we have some fun news to go through, and that's that this year's Eisner nominees have been uh, announced, and Eisner's were a great bit of fun for us last year because it introduced us to a lot of comics we hadn't read before, many of which were fantastic, and I'm really looking forward to going through this year's list and picking out some stuff I hadn't seen before, right? You know what? This is me. You can't see because it's an audio podcast. This is me face palming because I completely forgot about the Eisner's. <laughs> So this is all you, brother. Okay, I'll okay. comment if I remember. <laughs> I recognize anything you say. <laughs> this is me being prepared for this week, is what it boils down to. Awesome. But right, when well, we're talking about comics, I read them. I'm ready. <laughs> well, last year we we read some stuff like Joe the Barbarian. Oh, last year was uh, awesome. The Cape. Some, but then then you also had stuff like I Zombie, and you yeah, know that doesn't. Count. But. I think that last year, at least, the good far outweighed the bad. True. Absolutely. In our, that, our opinions, of course. Yeah. Turned me on to stuff like Scalped and a bunch of other fantastic series I hadn't been reading previously. So running through uh, not all of the awards uh, this year, because that would take up half the podcast. If you'd like to see the full list, though, it is in the show notes. Mm-hmm. All right. So running through at least some of the primary categories this year, starting off with best single issue or one shot. We have Daredevil number seven, Ganges number four. Lock and Key, Guide to the Known Keys, Princeless number three, and Unwritten number 24. While I haven't read any of those, I'm at least familiar with a few of them. You know what? I I don't think I've read a single one of those. I will have to check them out. As much (laughs) as neither of us are enjoying Daredevil, it's like the top nominated comic this year. Okay, yeah, but you know what? To be fair... um, We never said it was bad. There is that. We never said it was bad. It's just that it was yet another retelling of the same thing um but i think that it was one of those series where and like a lot of series too where basically we read some of the beginning stuff and then kind of gave up on it and it's Mm -hmm. it's like that for everything when you're looking at the cost of the comics i mean you have to impress us right away if you want us to continue buying it and we certainly saw that with the new dc stuff as well so this was one of those that Having heard so much good about it now, I'm willing to go back and pick up those issues and read to see what all the hoopla is about kind of thing. Right. Which brings us to the next category, Best Continuing Series. Daredevil again. Naoki Urasawa's 20th Century Boys, which I think has been nominated every year since the 20th Dude, century. We have to start reading those suckers. That's, there's like 9,000 issues I know, out there. but I was reading. telling you that, too. We're going to have to, for one of our episodes, we seriously have to go through some of those to, to talk about because, my God, they're always getting nominated. <laughs> Rachel Rising, Ultimate Spider-Man, and Usagi Yojimbo. That's a pretty solid lineup for Best Continuing Series. I'm surprised to see the new Ultimate Comics. Uh, Spider-Man in there. Not in a bad way, but I'm kind of surprised. Considering the the quality we got out of it last year, I'm not. Well, considering the the quality that we got in a lot of other series oh, as yeah. well, no, I'm surprised obviously. that that's the one that got chosen. Well, we're going to come back to that. 
<laughs> Best limited series. We have Atomic Robo and the Ghost of Station X. Criminal, The Last of the Innocent. Here's an interesting one for you. Flashpoint, Batman, oh, Night yes. of Vengeance. Yes, do it. <laughs> the, New, the New York <laughs> Five and Who is Jake Ellis? That's going to be an interesting one to see who wins that. Well, it's <laughs> I haven't read them all, but I've read some of those. And Batman, oh, it has to. It just was, that was one of the best parts of Flashpoint was mm-hmm. that little miniseries. All right. Uh, not going to go through all the nominees, but interesting this year, they actually split up the uh, young readers nominations into three age groups this year because there were so many good nominees. So there's a uh, an award for under age seven and then ages eight to 12 and then a young adults one from 12 to 17. So apparently there's a lot of really high quality comics out there for younger readers, which is, is exciting. Yeah. There is, and there's a lot of, it's the same thing as with uh, novels right now. Young adult is the place to be right now if you're a writer. It's just a fantastic uh, age group to be writing for. So, And I'm, I am happy to see that they separated it as well so that we have more versatility, more variety, I should say, in, in who's getting nominated. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't, I don't remember if this was titled Best Web Comic last year, but or interestingly this year it's titled Best Digital Comic. I, I don't know. I, I have to look at last year's nominees. But anyway, uh, they are Bahrain, Battle Pug, Delilah, Dirk, and the Turkish Lieutenant, Outfoxed, or Sarah and the Seed. So that's five websites I have to start reading. <laughs> I actually had been reading Battle Pug for a little while. I've heard a lot about it. I've just never checked yeah, it out. Yeah, I have. It's it's actually pretty good. It's funny. It's I, I enjoy it. Um, but I haven't read the other ones. I, I, too, will have to check those out. Mm-hmm. We have Best Graphic Album New. The nominees are Bubbles and Gondola, Freeway, Habibi, Ivy, Jim Henson's Tale of Sand, and One Soul. I haven't read either any of those. However, uh, the Tale of Sand is also one of this year's top nominees. I think it's nominated in five different categories. Seriously, people, we do read comics, okay? It may not look <laughs> like it today, but we actually do. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's true, that Tale of Sand, I'd been hearing about that for quite a while um, before it was released, and I'd been wanting to read it. I seriously have to get my hands on a copy of that because I am dying to read it. Mm-hmm. Moving into the individual categories, this year for Best Writer, we have Colin Bunn of The Sixth Gun, Mike Carey of The Unwritten, Jeff Jensen of The Green River Killer, A True Detective Story, Jeff Lemire for Animal Man, Flashpoint, Frankenstein and the Creatures of the Unknown, and Frankenstein, Agent of Shade. And finally, Mark Wade with Irredeemable, Incorruptible, and Daredevil. Seriously? Frankenstein writer? It was good, but best writer. Animal Man has been amazing. I'll give him that. Yeah, Animal Man's been... Oh, and also, I'm sorry, Sweet Tooth, which is uh, another comic that Lemire has written, which I've heard good things about as well. For Best Writer Slash Artist, uh, Rick Geary of The Lives of Sacco and Vanzetti, Terry Moore of Rachel Rising, Sarah something Eastern European for Ivy, <laughs> Craig Thompson of Habibi, and Jim Woodring for Congress of the Animals, and some short stories out of The Simpsons Treehouse of Fear. I haven't read any of those, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know who a few of them are, but I haven't read all those. No. Mm-hmm. Best penciler slash inker or penciler inker team. Michael Allred for Eye Zombie. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. Come on. (laughs) Ramon K. Perez for Jim Henson's Tale of Sand. Chris Samney for Captain America and Bucky, as well as uh, one issue of Ultimate Spider-Man that he did. And here's where things get interesting. Oh, no, that's not. Well, I'm looking at the wrong. Go ahead. Chris, Sam, Chris Samney has just been announced as uh, another artist coming to Daredevil. The other two nominees are Marcus Martin 
for Daredevil, and Paolo Rivera and Joe Rivera for Daredevil. <laughs> Basically, what they're saying is start reading Daredevil if you're not already. Yeah, seriously. All right, moving on to... Uh, Best cover artist? No. Yeah, there, there, like I said, there's plenty of uh, nominees. Check out the show notes for the whole thing. But there's one award that's completely missing from this year's show. Best new comic. There is no award this year for best new series. Best continuing? Yeah, you're right. Now, the way the Eisners have justified this is they said that... Now, the Eisners don't just sit there, read a bunch of comic books, and pick them themselves. They choose from a pool that is submitted from the publishers themselves. So as fantastic as you know, X comic may be, if the publisher doesn't submit that comic, it's not going to get nominated. I thought, now correct me if I'm wrong, I thought it was actually um, not just the publishers, but the people in the industry as well, if you're a writer or, or an artist or something. The writers and artists can vote, oh, but the gotcha. nominees are based on the publishers. Gotcha, okay. Just like a movie studio has to, has to submit their uh, film to the Oscars to be considered for nomination. So... They felt there was not enough quality among the uh, presented works to have the Ouch. listing this year. Now, <laughs> things, of course, things are a little funky this year because you have the new 52. Now, the way uh, DC did it is they submitted stuff like Animal Man or Batwoman that were true new number ones. But anything that was previously an ongoing, they did not submit Batman. They did not submit The Flash. Oh, okay. So any of those weren't eligible in DC's eyes for this category. Now, Marvel submitted Daredevil. They submitted yeah, really? <laughs> so now, now, honestly, I don't know if I would consider something like Daredevil or Punisher a best new series, even though there is a new number one for it. However, back in 2009, the best new series award went to Invincible Iron Man, which was just a reboot of the Iron Man comic. So I Nominations for awards are always a bit awkward, so let's not try to make too much sense out of it. However, I have a list of all of the presented comics that were up for consideration for the best new series, Eisner. Not going to read through all of them, but just take a handful. Animal Man. Daredevil, which was nominated for best ongoing series. Okay. FF, which is questionable if it would be, should be considered ongoing no, or new. That's a, I would but, consider that new, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, running through here, I'm sorry, I just have to mention it. Lady Mechanica, which as interesting as that series is, because of publishing delays, it could have been nominated two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like Orchid by Tom Morello, which has been getting tons of press. Punisher. Skull Kickers, which we're talking about next week. I love that freaking comic. <laughs> Swamp Thing. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Ultimate Spider-Man. Voltron, Wolverine, and the X-Men. You're telling me out of this huge list, you couldn't pick five or six comics that you thought were worthy of the award? That's that's, that's, that's BS. That's crap. That is BS. I, I kind of agree with not putting in the number ones that are simply reboots. That It's true. It's a reboot. It's not a brand new series. I don't agree with that. Um, that said, when you're... you're However... Even though DC didn't nominate them, I would say the new Batman number one and Flash number one should count as a new series, though, because they're not doing anything with the previous continuity. Yeah, see, that's where you're getting into real. But it's irrelevant because tricky, DC didn't yeah. submit it anyway. Yeah, like when you're trying to 
determine whether or not the continuity yeah. has Ultimate an impact. Ultimate Spider-Man, Punisher, Daredevil, that I can agree with those not getting nominated. Yeah, there's I uh, there's a, there was still a lot of good stuff that could have yeah, definitely there, oh, there's, gone. There's like there. 30 comics on this yeah. list. I just picked out a few. <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, there is a lot, especially if you are then allowing um, reboots. My God, there, mm-hmm. there was a ton of stuff that could have gone in there. Yeah, so... That's kind, of, that's kind of funky. Let's just leave it at that. Not really that huge a deal. I mean, it's just one category missing, but still. But honestly, Best New Series is one of my favorite categories because it's the, it's the category that's turned me on to stuff like Chew. I mean, I wouldn't have known for Chew if it hadn't won a couple years ago. Yeah. Yeah. No, I so. agree. I agree. All right. Well, moving into this week's discussion, I've decided to pull off the Band-Aid because I just want to jump straight into it. And talk about Avengers versus X-Men, because the way I figure it, if we have a discussion about the comic now, we won't have to read eight issues and talk about it in a couple months. <laughs> and go, judging by what that? we've seen already, <laughs> I agree. All right. I actually didn't read the number zero comic, but you did. So give us a quick uh, thought on that. It's OK. See, I haven't really read up on all the sites or on all the, you know, everyone talking about or if anybody even knows what the whole thing is going to be about or what we can expect down the line and, you know, the entire story arc kind of thing. So I'm going into this blind and that's fine. I like doing that. So I assumed that this number zero would have, you know, would be a... a, a, a oh, I know, I know. I, I try not to do that, but I, I did. I um, so I assumed there'd be, you know, I don't know, more having to do with what's going on kind of thing. Um, not really so much, at least now. Maybe there's a master plan here that I'm not seeing. Altogether possible. We haven't seen it yet, so we don't know how this fits into the story. That said, all number zero is, is there's two stories, mini stories, one with the Scarlet, Scarlet Witch, and that's the Avengers portion, and then one with Hope Summers, which is the X-Men section and so the the scarlet witch one oh, i mean there's this freaking fight with with uh what's his name again modok modog the the, 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 the the big brain dude the mechanical big organism head, yeah. designed only for killing yeah so it, there's a fight and, she, and scarlet witch is trying to take everything on by herself and then a couple of the avengers come and help and then they drag her back to the avengers um palace whatever you want to call it <laughs> Big freaking house, yeah, mansion. Yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> that that would have made this awesome. <laughs> Less ass shots and more mansion. Um, and then she meets up with uh, what's his name? Uh, red dude uh, with the green outfit. There, I'm looking. I'll, the I'll, vision. I'm is assuming. that him? Yeah, I think so. Who is married to her? Yeah, I didn't even know that crap. And so he's like, "Get the hell out of here!" And yeah, because she kind of killed him. Yeah, well, she kind of yeah, she had her way with him. <laughs> which might sound funky. Uh, and basically that's it. And then she, uh, that's it. It was like, I mean, it was not a terrible little story, but it's one of those, again, how the hell is this fitting in? And they make the Scarlet Witch out to be a complete victim. Like really some of the scenes you're looking at her and she's like hugging her chest and it's like nearly in tears and then has to, well, she is in tears later, has to be carried away. And it's like, all right, whatever. And then there's the hope story, which we'd gotten a glimpse of in one of the prior issues of, I want to say Uncanny X-Men, but I'm not certain. Um, and so it's basically her taking off and fighting crime on her own, but not before blasting Cyclops with one of his own 
optics and that was awesome more blasting cyclops i'm for that and then she takes off and she's busting up crime and fighting these guys and then the uh whatchamacallit uh the the x-men a few of the x-men show up and not rescue her but whatever and then all of a sudden you get the last scene with the phoenix and you know that's kind of it it was it wasn't even that either of the stories was enjoyable per se i really and and I I can see more how the hope story kind of fits in because of what happened in one. So that one I get. It. I just mm-hmm. so far ain't getting how Scarlet Witch is fix, fitting into this. Well, what I did read was the uh, X Sanction miniseries, which starred Cable coming back again, where he actually visited a far off future where the world was destroyed, and he learned that the Avengers killed Hope. So that's why he came back to the past to hunt down the Avengers. So that that was at least a better lead into Avengers versus X-Men than that thing that you just talked about was. Yeah, this is somewhat ridiculous. And the art in the Hope story? <laughs> just look at the shots of Summers. That says it all. That that <laughs> that basically is yeah, <laughs> because I there's no way to describe it appropriately without actually showing a picture. You have to see it. But yes, look <laughs> at the art in that and and just kind of laugh a little. Chuckle a little. It's worth okay. it. Okay. Well, moving on to Avengers versus X-Men round one, because if they're going to be goofy enough to call it that, I'm going to be goofy enough to continue with it. I do have to give Marvel a certain amount of, I don't know if I want to use the word respect. That might be too much of a word. I think that's jumping the the shark there. (laughs) They're getting a pat on the back for at least one thing. Because of all these big events we've had over the years, House of M, Civil War, Secret Invasion, The Siege, Fear Itself, they've always built themselves up to be this huge, earth-shattering story where all this amazing stuff is going to happen. And sure, some amazing stuff happens, but ultimately, they're worthless. So... (laughs) <laughs> they realize people only read these miniseries for these big battles and these awesome fights. So their entire thought process for this event is let's just make something that's nothing but a big battle or a fight. <laughs> I, we don't need a huge epic story. Let's just give these two there doesn't need groups to be a of superheroes reason. a reason to punch each other in the face oh, no, no. and then just let, let them run with it. No, no, there's no reason. No, there's no reason. No, come on. <laughs> let's be honest. All right, well, Avengers vs. X-Men, round one, written by Brian Michael Bendis and art by John Romita Jr., who they are do- the two of them are doing, I believe, the first four issues. They're breaking up into three acts with three different creative teams for each act. Actually, the story on this one is freaking Jason Aaron, Michael Bendis... Uh, oh, they're they're, they're all credited. Yes, Matt but I, I, this, this particular issue is uh, largely Bendis. attributed to Bendis and yeah. Romita. Yeah, they're they're all credited because they all worked together collaborating on the story. Yeah. Anyway, collaborating in this case means leaving a post-it note on somebody's monitor. <laughs> hey, what do you think about this? Let's roll with it. <laughs> <laughs> we have to have a reason for the Avengers to fight the X-Men aside from the fact that the X-Men are kind of annoying sometimes. What it is, is uh, we've seen through various comics and one-shots and preludes and stuff, one of which we'll be com- coming back to later, that the Phoenix is coming back to Earth. And, of course, as has been completely obvious for the last several years, Hope from the X-Men is going to be the Phoenix's new vessel. So the Avengers find out that the Phoenix is coming back and realize that this could be a problem because <laughs> the last time the Phoenix was around the entire earth almost got destroyed. So they want to take a proactive stance and 
bring Hope into custody so that she can be monitored and, you know, if in the interest of well-being for everyone. However, on the X-Men side, Scott Summers is a douchebag. <laughs> That's really the best I can sum it up. Like, Scott has been written in an increasingly abrasive manner over the last several years. Like, I liked it when he first, you know, stepped up and put on his big boy pants, but it's been getting really annoying over the last couple years. And it's gone so ridiculously over the top in this issue. Like, <laughs> with literally no provocation, he just blasts the heck out of Captain America. <laughs> well, see, the thing is, is that this is no longer Scott being the tough guy. Um I'm I'm all right with him being the tough guy within reason too. Like if we look at the Scott Summers from the start of the vampire uh, story arc in the new X-Men, the volume three, that was just recently, not that long ago. I think they're on what, number 26 or 27 now? Somewhere around there. Yeah. yeah. Um, I actually, I'm going to be writing a feature for the site specifically about that version, version three, to show what's been going on in that series right now, because I've reread them all and I'm caught up to date. But that Scott, I liked. He was tough. Mm -hmm. He had a plan. He didn't back down. There was some awesome scenes. I loved it. But then you get stuff like this, and this is Scott who has forgotten to take his medication for a few days. There there are things going on here that the medication could take care of. Because seriously, like I can understand when he's being tough on hope and he's training her, even though it's like ballistic and, that, and it's that was oh, like it, oh no 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 yeah I'm saying on a sliding curve that I can deal with I've seen super villains with less aggressive training yeah it, it doesn't fit the character but again in terms of what we're looking at in the story so far of everything we saw this I could deal with it's when he kind of goes off the deep end and decides that regardless of everything else that's happened with the Phoenix Force, everything that happened with Jean Grey, everything, now all of a sudden he thinks they can control it and use it as a tool. And that's the point where I thought, that that how does that make sense? Not only does that not make sense to a rational human being, but it doesn't fit for the character. It's so poorly written. It's it's It doesn't fit. And so that at that point, it was like, were it not for the fact that, again, we're doing, we're talking about it for the show. At that point, I would have stopped reading because it was such terrible writing to put that in there. It just doesn't fit the character at all. It's absolute stupidity. So by the time he freaking takes off on, on Captain America, <laughs> you're like, well, A, we saw that coming a mm -hmm. mile away. And B, it, it's absolute stupidity. The only thing that I will say for the writing that I really liked, although it's not just the writing, it's a letter or two. It's when freaking Captain America says Avengers Assemble. It's almost a whisper. <laughs> it's like none of this. <laughs> Avengers. No, no. It's Avengers Assemble. <gasps> <laughs> Take that. <laughs> but no, it was really just absolutely stupid. It doesn't work. It, it doesn't make sense. And there's really not much more we can say about the story because that's it. That's the entire story. Uh, and that's not only is that the entire story for this issue, that's pretty much all the story I can see us getting out of this entire mini series. Now, like I said, just doing a big action comic just for the sake of doing a big action comic. I honestly have no problem with that. I've seen plenty of great mindless movies, stuff like crank. It doesn't need a story to be fun, but if you're going to do a story, at least do it well. <laughs> I disagree. I disagree. I, I mean, there has to be a 
uh, uh, still within reason a oh, yeah, there has to be a motivating premise. factor. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you use Crank as an example. And though there are parts of that that I found just unbelievably stupid, again, the basic principle of it worked as long as you turned off a little part of your brain kind of thing. It's like, okay, well, we can run with this. This, though, because of this one thing, and it, and it boils down to one character even, because of that and because it just doesn't fit Everything else falls apart because of it. How is that fun to read? It's not. This is my point. So <laughs> you can have your freaking, your your fanboy moments where it's like, gee, I wonder who would win in this against this guy fight and uh, both good guys. And it's still going to be one of those where it's like, no, because I can't, I can't get behind it. It's, it's such a fallacy. Mm-hmm. I, I totally agree. So there's not much more we can say about that. However, one other thing I did want to touch on is the uh, we talked about it a few weeks ago, the, the upcoming digital line, uh, Marvel Infinite Comics, and it made its premiere here tied in with AVX. Uh, they gave away copies of this, uh, I think, to just about anybody who bought it, either in print or in digital. And it was Avengers vs. X-Men, the infinite number one, which was written by Mark Wade with art by Stuart Amonin. Now, there isn't a whole lot of story here. The The entire purpose of this issue is just kind of a lead up to what we saw at the beginning of issue one with uh, the intergalactic hero Nova, although I believe this is Nova's little brother because last time we saw the actual Nova, he was trapped in a dying universe, but whatever, hurtling through space trying to warn Earth that the Phoenix is coming. That is the entire story. And, you know, he's he he's not used to these powers. You know, he's having issue troubles controlling himself, What whatever. It's it is what it is. But for what they did as a digital comic, with all of the cool effects and new tools they are bringing to the actual production of comics, while this individual issue might not have been that amazing, I do like this as a hint of what we can expect in the future. What I liked about this is that they they actually it, it was designed for mm-hmm. digital for tablets this, or for it could have been done in an actual comic, but not in the same way. Exactly. So it's it would not, have just been another comic uh, on its own. Yeah, it, it's not just regular panels. Also, the the layout is better. Than, I should say better for reading in a digital medium. Um, that's the thing about reading comic books. Again, even on your tablet, yeah, it's fantastic and all that. But at its heart, you're still reading something that was made for print. It's it's not taking advantage of the medium. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is more taken advantage of of the medium not it's still not fantastic but it still is better and i i i mean there's not much to the story no like you said but it's actually still good it, yeah, it's it was actually, it was very enjoyable for the yeah. little bit that it actually was yeah it was it was fantastic and the art was bitching the uh i i enjoy, i enjoyed this <laughs> more than the other two things yeah, just even the transitions between the panels, like if if you followed all their directions and you read it in like the, the guided view mode with the animations turned on, there was such a sense of motion, like from panel to panel. Yep. Like in, in some in some parts, you see Nova rocketing off the right side of the page and then you flip the page and here he comes shooting in from the left side. It's cool stuff like that that would work in a comic, but is so much more effective here digitally or, you know, the layering of panels on top of panels to to really 
you know, add, you know, more weight and tension. Like there was one where, you know, he's hurtling in and like he sees the building in the way and he's like, hmm. And then the next panel shows him getting closer to the building. And then the top panel that was him from head on gets closer to you as the reader. It really gives that that sense of imminence and pacing that that really did it well. And then yeah, the other like fun little effects like, you know, seeing Nova in the foreground with the Phoenix blurred out in the background and the next panel, they switch places. Just some cool stuff that. I'm very happy to see a major publisher experimenting with the medium. And, and what you said right there nails it too. It's the the pacing. It does such a, a it makes such a difference with the pacing of the comic book and how you're reading it. And you know when you're reading a comic book, you, the expression again, and same with the novel, it, it's it's page turner. It forces you to keep turning the page. Well, this forces you through that pacing to continue swiping, to continue looking mm-hmm. at each panel. And that was I really again really really enjoyed that. Yeah, and now there's certain things that you could do in a regular comic that that are innovative in itself. Look no further than the Flash comic. You know, you turn the page, and you know your vision just naturally takes in the entire page at once, which you don't get here. However, the writer can again the pacing make you take in things in a different way. Like if you've got to tap the same page like four or five times to get all the dialogue as it's coming in, it slows it down, and you know it it. It gets you to that point where all of a sudden the next couple panels, you're hurtling through space at light speed. It, It's a completely different experience that I really enjoyed. Yeah, definitely. All right. So that's AVX. Unless something um, interesting happens, we probably won't talk about it again. But <laughs> at least it's over with. We didn't we didn't have to slog through four or five issues all at once. So you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, for what we're reading, uh, last week, I took the freaking week off. It was great. I did nothing but sit back, watch TV, and read comic books, and I read a lot of comic <laughs> books. <laughs> so my what we're reading for the next month or so is going to be a lot of stuff. <laughs> so a uh, couple things I, I did want to touch on this week, however. Uh, Thunderbolts, still one of my favorite comics. This, uh, this issue, 172, marks the 15th anniversary of the Thunderbolts, and it's been published almost continuously over the course of that 15 years, which very few comics can say over the last 15 years. And it's cool because they, they've been doing this whole time traveling thing over the last 10 or so issues where they've been hopping through the time stream, ended up like the Middle Ages with Merlin and King Arthur and stuff. And then finally ending up back pretty close to their time where the new team of Thunderbolts actually ends up facing off against the original Thunderbolts from issue one. And it's just it's it's a cool, fun way, you know, paying homage to the you know, 15 years of history. And then also at the end of the issue, uh, Jeff Parker, the current writer, is actually interviewing, uh, as he calls them, the B team, editor Tom Bevort, writer Kurt Busiek and artist uh, Mark Bagley, the, 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 the three people really behind the original Thunderbolts. And just seeing like all the thoughts and stuff that went into it. It's a it, it's a fun little thing. If you're into the Thunderbolts this is a fun little story to read, especially since after this is over, they're actually rebranding it as the Dark Avengers and bringing uh, some of those characters into the Thunderbolts fold and kind of doing away with the Thunderbolts, which is unfortunate, but given its sales numbers, not unexpected. I know you, this whole premise doesn't interest you at all. I was though. listening attentively. <laughs> Aside from that, I'm done with the Green Lantern, honestly. Oh, thank you. <laughs> the actual Green Lantern, I... 
I give up. I honestly, I, even like when we were talking about, oh, Hal got the ring right away. Oh, that was so stupid. But then at the end of that first storyline, Hal himself like gave it up. Like he was like, I'm done with it. I, he finally wanted to move on with his life. I was like, okay, here's the point where we can get into some interesting stuff with Sinestro doing his thing and Hal doing his thing. And then again, an issue later, here we are right back with Hal in the freaking costume. And it, it, it just gets ludicrous. Um, also, uh, what was it? The Green Lantern Corps, which I was enjoying very much. So it was really some cool stuff exploring, you know, the background of the Green Lanterns and the Guardians and all kinds of interesting stuff. But it just keeps it keeps coming back to the same freaking character development. I, I don't even call it development. Uh, John Stewart, the uh, the the Green Lantern most people would know from the animated series, and you know. He has had a single moment of character development over his entire time in comics when he blew up the planet. And they've just been harping on that for however long it's been, 20 years? I don't even know. <laughs> Where every time he makes one of those tough decisions in the midst of battle, it haunts him for the next decade of his life. And it uh, it's time for to do something new with the character. And because of that, I don't care about that comic anymore. <laughs> and then you have the new Guardians, which admittedly has been fun, but it, it has the only reason I'd been reading it is because it was a fun read. It wasn't good. So now that I'm done with the other two, I have no interest at all in that. So here we have the Green Lantern franchise, one of the tent poles of DC's lineup and top to bottom. I completely don't care anymore. <laughs> the only one I care about right now is the Red Lanterns. I actually gave up on that one a little while back. It, it, it lost me. It, well, I'm not going to say that it's phenomenal, but of the Lantern series, that's the only one right now that I'm enjoying more. All right. Well, I can see that. And I so, use uh, enjoying <laughs> as loosely as possible. It's relative. It's all loosey-goosey. <laughs> so uh, have you got anything for us this week? Oh, dude, have I ever. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to try to make it short because I got a few here, okay? <laughs> Two. Oh, dude. Oh, Two number man. 25. Yeah, we got to talk about that. On one was episode. fantastic. Yeah, I'm not going to go into detail because I would like us to cover this story arc because it was just... Well, I, you know, you, you can only say it's a crazy story arc so often with you. I mean, they pretty much all are. But it was just a fantastic story arc, warped. And oh, my God, especially the first panel from 25 is oh. if that doesn't give you nightmares for the oh. rest of your life, I don't know what will. But the entirety of the episode or the issue was just a blast to read. And I mean, again, it's... the. the the quality never suffers in this series. It never it's does. It's getting better. The the writing is always bang on, and then the art is always, oh my God, how is he able to do this on a monthly basis kind of thing? Especially, like, I'm pretty sure with each issue, either I'm paying attention more or he's adding more goofy stuff in the background. Oh, dude, the, the screensaver of Whoopi Goldberg? <laughs> That was awesome right there. <laughs> and, and, and all I know is my favorite character is back. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. I saw your Twitter of that, too. You <laughs> ruined it for me again. Stop <laughs> following you on Twitter, you bastard. Um, news like you like you knew. He, like you didn't know he was coming back. Well, eventually, but not this one. <laughs> but that's that was awesome. You knew. And the sure. way they brought him back, though, was great. It was. It doesn't. Okay. Uh, newest ultimate uh, Spider-Man. Meh. Really? I, 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 I've been enjoying it quite a bit, but this one was really, I, I can see all the required setup kind of thing that they're doing, but I really wasn't that, all that impressed. 
yeah i nothing really to add yeah now i was impressed with the freaking x-men legacy 264 god damn man yeah freaking it (laughs) it was absolutely fantastic again beginning to end um we're we're seeing a lot more with rogue as we have been in legacy obviously for a long time um but i mean it's just it was just fantastic everything that like every little nuance of the character i thought again i know you're not a fan of hers but i i, I have kind of she, like she's really been growing on me since she took over like the lead role in legacy yeah and the the fact that she can relate to what these guys are going through and offer to help same as other people helped her so i mean it was just i really really enjoyed this issue a lot and it's, then freaking beast oh. yeah. beast is beast last week for me <laughs> was my freaking hero because there was this and then, and then there wolverine. was wolverine and his peeps <laughs> because wolverine and his peeps number eight is if you have not bought this you basically owe it to yourself to go and pick this up. I have a friend who stopped reading comics altogether a couple, uh, maybe about a year or so ago, just because he didn't want to keep buying all these freaking comics. So he just cut himself off altogether. I talked him into going and getting Wolverine and the X-Men today just by telling him all of the <laughs> ridiculous stuff that was going on. I was like, they turned the adamantium in his bones into something else just so that they could break his legs and then fuse them in broken he's like are you serious i was like no it gets better because now he's rolling around in xavier's old wheelchair (laughs) he's like no i was like oh yeah (laughs) with the cover of him in the chair (laughs) slumped over and i'm thinking oh my god and then well i'm just happy that freaking chris pacello back for this oh man he oh my god was the art of her fantastic that one panel of saber tooth there where he's teaching the kid to to fight kind of and go for the heart um this was fantastic and then beast steals as as awesome as what's going on with wolverine as what's going on with wolverine is awesome um and and him going around wheeling himself in the little and stuff and the kids were actually this issue the kids were fantastic and angel oh my freaking lord i'll get to that in a minute though beast stole this this issue it was just absolutely insane like the what does she call him blue furball of awesome (laughs) (laughs) that that's what he is in this wait uh, hold on yeah you stupid blue ball of awesome that is beast (laughs) and i mean so fantastically written because again it's a character that has that conflict always within himself of the beast and the intellectual kind of thing um fantastic and then angel is really coming into his own this is i'm really digging what they're doing with angel right now but more so than that i am so digging how they're tying him in with genesis now Mm -hmm. so the same thing that we were seeing before with the same characters in different kind of bodies now you're seeing it here with the kids and that dynamic is going to be unbelievable and you could tell that's what he's working towards by befriending them and um and saying that they're you know they're they're gonna work together to to figure things out on their own uh this was i i want to say this was probably in the past eight issues i would say this is probably the strongest so far i i don't think that's an exaggeration the 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 story was start to end insanity (laughs) 
<laughs> it it was fun insanity. The kids were at no point annoying. Every single the uh, one of the characters. I didn't even hate the up. Hellfire kids. Yeah, exactly. It was just it, I, and and how awesome is it when Angel gets to drop Wolverine from the sky? <laughs> so yes, uh, honestly, it's it's uh, the only thing you need to go- know going into this is you know, why Wolverine's legs are like that. But they kind of explain it. If you're paying attention, you'll see what happened. Um, but yeah, you can pick it up in and of itself and, and just absolutely have a blast with it. I loved it. And yet there weren't any new comics worth nominating this year. Yeah, yeah, really. Imagine that. <laughs> Bastard. That all for you? I could go on, but we'll stop there. Okay. <laughs> so wrapping up with this week's new releases from Marvel, we have Avenging Spider-Man number six, which is starting the Omega Effect crossover with Punisher and Daredevil. Oh, dude, yes. Sorry. <laughs> no, I was going to talk about Amazing Spider-Man 683 as well, but no, no, keep going. <laughs> we'll come We'll come back to it. <laughs> Carnage USA number five, Fantastic Four 605, Journey into Mystery 636, New Avengers number 24, Scarlet Spider number four, Secret Avengers number 25, Uncanny X-Men number 10, Winter Soldier number four, and Wolverine number 304, which is Jason Aaron's final issue there. I was going to talk about FF number 16 as well. <laughs> Which was awesome. <laughs> you can talk as long as you want. you got to edit this thing. Keep going. Uh, DC. All I, got is Bat- I got Batman and Robin and Demon Knights number eight. That's that. That's all I got. And Batman and Robin's kind of pushing it this week. Right. And then continuing with the year of image, we have the second issue for Saga. As well as issue number one for both Secret, which is Jonathan Hickman's new insane conspiracy theory comic book, and America's Got Powers featuring superstar artist Brian Hitch, which is essentially sci-fi channels who wants to be a superhero uh, reality series, but with actual superheroes. I will be reading all of those. So that's all we've got here at Comic Book Informer. Thank you for listening. As always, you can find us at comicbookinformer.com, where Roger is continuing to load up the website with reviews, or on Twitter at CB Informer, and we'll see everybody next week. 